Welcome to episode 83 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up? We've brought back for the second time this week, Mr. Turnup Charlie Ridgely himself. Hello. And over in our uh, in the cut seat is our gaming guru, Mr. Tanner Deadman. Hello. And we've uh, dragged Tanner out here because this is a good cross-section day. We have a big kind of arrival in the realms of Star Wars and gaming with the arrival of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which Tanner's going to break down and review for us. But we're also going to be talking about a lot of other stuff. We have some DC stuff we got to get through today. Uh, we got some Disney stuff we got to talk about. We have some Marvel comics in our latest in the X-Men relaunch line to kind of discuss in a breakdown with Fallen Angels. And we have a new grenade today. So uh, people have been asking for it. We've got another one, and I'm pretty sure this one's a good one. To uh, This one will be explosive, if nothing else. If not here, then definitely with the fan. So let's get into all of that by jumping into our news flash segment. And we're going to start with uh, a big kind of surprise announcement we got today, which is uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is never shy to be promoting that next movie that he's going to be doing. And today, he kind of finally has crashed into the world of DC because after being in limbo for I don't know how long, pretty much as long as I've been doing this, yeah. uh, The Rock has finally confirmed that we are getting this Black Adam movie. It has a date. It has a date of uh, it's right pre-Christmas in 2021. And it's going to be directed by Juame Colette Sarah. I don't know, Juan Colette Sarah. I don't know how exactly how you say his name. I'm not going to butcher it. I'm not into like exact French pronunciations anymore. But uh, it's the guy who did nonstop the airplane, the Liam Neeson airplane. Oh, yeah, movie. okay. Yeah. He did the Blake Lively, the Shallows. Oh. Uh, yeah, he did Run All Night, another like Liam Neeson, Joel Kinnaman, Run Across Manhattan movie. Um, so he kind of makes like B movie thrillers or, or what he makes. And now he's going to be making the jump to superhero movie, which, I mean, this is kind of the playbook, right? You get somebody who's been doing some solid work in the genre, in a genre kind of capacity, like they did with uh, David F. Sandberg for Shazam. Mm -hmm. Or uh, James Gunn's a great example. He only yeah. made like B like genre horror films before and, and super, you yeah. know, like all low budget little stuff before Guardians. So yeah. yeah, and so so let I mean Sarah has been making more than just low budget. Right, he's been making right. these modest budget action movies that actually earn a lot of money and do well at the box office, even if they don't get the highest in them, like you know critic scores. So he's going to be taking on uh, Black Adam. That's the director, that's the date, and we got a piece of concept art with a combination of, uh, what is it, Jim Lee and Jim Boss, Lee, Boss Logic. Boss Logic. Kudos, friend Boss Logic, yeah, by friend the way. Friend of ComicBook.com, Boss Logic, coming up big in this yeah. industry. It's awesome. And, you know, we're, I'm happy that we've helped promote that, you know? Like, we, we've had a crazy amount of Boss Logic. Anybody who's worked here has had to go in and organize our Boss Logic gallery of images. Like, <laughs> remember that? Every single yeah, one. That was a beast, Add the new ones at the top, yeah. and there was like 100. Yeah, because of our broke-ass system here, here at comicbook.com or CMS, we had to manually update his oh gallery yeah. every time, which meant like every time we put in a new photo, we had to go back through and reorder the hundreds of Boss Logic images we had collected. And yeah, it was it was and it was, it was like nice. it was like a couple times a week. Yeah, it yeah, was a easy. lot, it, a lot. It's because yeah, we've just been big fans of his, and so 
I mean, it's all come around. I mean, he did official Avengers Endgame stuff, which was a big breakout. He got a shout out on Fallon that really you know blew up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep, yeah. there, that. And now he's doing official DC concept art with Jim Lee. Yeah, that's so, pretty, that's, so that's pretty good. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. So congrats to Boss Logic. And I mean, it's it's well deserved because this image of what The Rock will look like as Black Adam was pretty pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I have to say. I mean, it's just concept art. But it looks like he's going full costume, cape, everything. And I was worried about the cape because... Were you? Yeah, I mean, I want him to have the cape. I wanted this to be kind of whimsical superhero. He would just look like a wrestler without it. Yeah. So I'm glad that they have it. Um, Counterpoint, more wrestlers should have capes. <laughs> Absolutely agree with this. Yeah, I mean... Also, I'm more not, Power Rangers should have capes. No. Like, anybody should have capes. Like, capes are awesome. My desk yeah. chair has a cape. Well, I don't know. I mean, there, there's been some question about Olaf WWE's costuming practices recently oh uh, yeah yeah so we're gonna get into that oh <laughs> uh, yeah buddy <laughs> so uh yeah so we're gonna get this black adam movie and they're gonna go with the kind of modern black adam take which is that he's kind of like the namor of magic in the sense that he's gone from villain to uh anti-hero but he's just like a bad attitude kind of anti-hero yeah who kind of is very kind of regal and above it all he's namer basically yeah he really I, yeah. honestly i wasn't kidding when i was like that's a great description yeah. that is spot on he is exactly like that so in the whole mythos about how he became black adam and the magic and in the in the world that he came from before becoming this mystical hero so i'm excited to see uh the rock jump into this i'm hopefully it's going to be more kind of like shazam than it is like scorpion king but uh I think so, right? Yeah. I think The Rock has learned over the years. Oh, that. absolutely. I'm not hate. Don't get me beat up. I no, am not but I mean that, Rock. that style. That Brandon m- Davis will come in here and swing <laughs> something at me. That but, uh, wink and a nod meta yeah. style gets way more uh, receptive. Like, it's way more receptive yeah. by audiences. So. so, yeah, I mean, I'm psyched for this. You guys, I mean, I didn't think this was happening. Like, this I came honestly, out of nowhere. nowhere. Yeah. yeah. I thought this was in limbo. I mean, all the people out there, scoopers, are now like, I told you. I told you it was happening. No, you didn't. We no. all thought this was in limbo. Like, we thought Shazam 2 would happen first, and then there was going to be a Black Adam movie. This, But it's all been all over the place. Like I said, this has been going on for like the 10 years I've been doing this, so I'm just happy to see this come to fruition somehow, some way. I am a little surprised that um, DC is going to do three movies in a year uh, at this point. I mean, obviously in the future, that's what you want to get to, but just with kind of the struggles recently and they kind of reworked it to be like director driven, you know, creator driven, smaller movies, you know, that not all big connected. And these, these probably won't connect, but 2021 has Batman, the suicide squad and now black Adam on the same year. And that year we have four MCU movies and it's going to be a really, really, really crowded year in 2021. Um, or but, the best year. Or oh, I mean, it may be great. That's what I'm saying. Does it's that, gonna be really crowded. But here's but the thing: it's does it stay that way? Do you see a movie like Batman, which you know, still like? Do you see that maybe getting bumped? Do you see? I don't. Batman won't get bumped back. If anything, it'll get bumped forward. Okay. I don't think Batman's gonna get bumped back. No, they, they're 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 for once on the right track with Batman. Yeah, I, I think all of these projects are on separate enough lanes yeah. that there are. Yeah, there. Honestly, there it feels like Suicide lanes. Squad could be earlier because that movie's like. All the way into production. Well, and like Wonder Woman's are like Wonder Woman, they moved it more as a like just to give us a little extra time. Yeah. The date sounded good to them. Like they most of the stuff's done. Like a lot of and these. Honestly, are you look at Black like, you look at Dwayne Johnson, look at you know, his his Christmas has always been like he had both the both Jumanji movies are Christmas releases. And the first Jumanji movie crushed, even in the wake of Star Wars, did really, really, really well. So they immediately said, Okay, let's do the second Jumanji movie at Christmas again. 
And now it's like, well, now let's do it another two years later and, you know, go with, because even though it's, it's Warner Brothers, not Sony, it's still his production company. It's still Seven Bucks Production, like yeah. working on it. So it's, you know, let's put it at this slot where we found Dwayne as a brand to be successful. Yeah. And Christmas is just a lucrative. Yeah. It's just a like, I mean, win, Obviously. So. You know, and, and it's it, the only downside is it's, you know, it comes on the heels of the first Avatar sequel. It comes like right around the same time. Yeah, uh, as, but, as Avatar, yeah, Avatar sequel, but like no Star Wars, no real superhero movie that I can think of at that time. No, the, the most recent one before that will be November, and it'll be Thor, Love, and Thor, Thunder. Thor, Love, and Thunder, yeah, which kind of similar, but not really. So that'll be good. So it, it is going to be like the clear superhero movie yeah. contender mm-hmm. for that window. So, And it's The Rock, so you know it's already got a built-in worldwide audience. So I wonder just how much of the underperformance of Shazam affected this change, like – were they willing to invest in a Shazam 2 or did they just move the smart move, which I would have made, which is let's get something guaranteed like The Rock, yeah. bolster this franchise, and then come back in a Shazam 2 yeah. that has The Rock. And I think it has, there's an element of that to it. I mean, I think the underperformance like isn't – it wasn't a giant failure, you know, especially because the critic reviews were so solid and the audience reaction was so high. I mean, it's still a business at the end of the day, and so it didn't make a ton of money. So, I mean, obviously there was some – But I think that's the most puzzling part about Shazam is that it was so well-reviewed. It was so well – like critics loved it for the most yeah. part, and it still couldn't find – an audience. So I think that was, right. I agree. Like I agree with Kobe. I think that's the money decision here yeah. is to go with, well, people like that. Let's stay on that track. Cause that's the right track, but we need something that can command right. automatic money. And, yeah, and, and the, the other rock. thing that, too, that I mentioned earlier, like the rock is maybe the busiest actor in Hollywood with his producing and he's in a million movies and he's always, has, he always has a new project coming out. Like if Warner brothers and new line got like, Hey, we have this like, couple of month window where we can shoot and release and it's like well we have to take it because we don't know how busy he's going to be post that we don't know what else is going to go on like we have a window we're going to do it even if we plan on doing Shazam 2 first or if we reshuffled whatever like if The Rock has an opportunity and he's willing to do it like do it. you got to say yes yeah. and do it <laughs> I mean there is a certain amount of logic to that but if there's also like I said this thing has been ongoing for 10 years and he's yeah. had time in that so I feel like there it could be it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. I think it could just be all things coming together at yeah. once. The Rock right. was available. They need some way to spin this franchise around. It, it all could be meeting, or they just threw some dump truck full of money on the table and they were like, "Now yeah. you have time." Yeah, that's true. And he's like, "The Rock always has time <laughs> for money." Um, so. That'll do it. Black Adam, we'll keep you, uh, now that we'll be covering this for the next couple of years, we'll be keeping you guys updated about what the story is, who else joins this, and like everything else about it. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to move right along, not from the DC Universe, just to another corner of the DC Universe, really. So we're going to go from uh, talking about kind of the more DCEU stuff with Black Adam to talking about where we are with these DC standalones, because Joker 2... And this is why we brought Charlie back, because uh, Charlie was here for the uh, infamous Joker episode where he took a <laughs> Arthur Fleck-like stand against this movie, even though the rest of us were praising it. Um, you know, some of you stand with Charlie, as you've let me know in hashtags and such. Oh, but, really? Uh, yeah, no, not really. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. There have been a couple of those. <laughs> oh, no, I was curious. Yeah, there's been a couple of I'll stand alone on this island. That's no, there's been, there's been a couple I stand with Charlie, and people agreed with Charlie, um, which is why I made that episode good. But... Charlie! So, already we're here and talk about Joker 2, which was already being speculated about before the movie came out. Todd Phillips kind of made this offhand remark that the only way he would ever do a sequel is if he and Joaquin Phoenix kind of agreed on the ideas, and that they had tossed around some ideas of how it could continue, 
and so on and so forth. Now, Joker's here. It's going to be a billion-dollar success, it looks like. It's the most profitable comic book movie of all time. It's got so little to make. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's how so you make yeah, profits. Exactly. No, yeah. that's all awesome. Yeah. So, huh? so I'm so disappointed in all of you. Why? Why? So I mean, you're. I mean, at this point, you're obviously on the. I mean, wrong, I mean, the, not, there's no right time, or wrong, but that, like I, I, I the joke, majority but it is, side. I do think, as much as I don't like this movie, I do. I am happy that a comic book movie that is so different than the norm is successful. I think that is well. Great. That was then. Like the now movie. we're talking about franchising it, which is not different at all no. from the norm. So, Joker two discussions are already happening. Todd Phillips is kind of trying to downplay this and just like, oh, Lord, but... Yeah, because he really doesn't say, like, oh, yeah, we're working on a sequel. He just kind of dances around. Well, let's see. Let's read what he says. Todd Phillips said, talking to Los Angeles Times, "Uh, but it couldn't just be this wild and crazy movie about the clown prince of crime, in quotes, said Phillips. It would have to be some thematic resonance in a similar way that this does, because I think that's ultimately why the movie connected. It's what's going on underneath. So many movies are about the spark and about... And this is about the powder. If you could capture that again in a real way, that would be interesting. Yeah. Now, here's what Joaquin Phoenix has said about this previously. In the second, third, third week of shooting, I was like, Todd, can you start working on a sequel? There's way too much to explore, Phoenix said. It was kind of in jest, but not really. So basically they've said like, yeah, there's a lot more material to explore, but they would have to be, they don't want to lose what made this movie kind of unique as a departure from the comic book movie formula, just to like, you know, then what we're going to throw in a sequel and it's yeah. like little Batman starts to come up <laughs> and like, and this becomes just like a movie version. Yeah. Of he builds yeah. a Joker <laughs> gang. And then this guy named Oswald Peck comes in and starts. But you like, know what that reads trouble. to me? Like, that reads to me that like how I interpret that is Joaquin Phoenix wants a sequel. Todd Phillips doesn't necessarily want a sequel, but he's open to if Joaquin blows him away with an idea, he'll be like, meh, okay. But that reads very much like he's kind of, it's it's a little arm's length, and Joaquin is all about it. I feel like I, Joaquin- I think that one of those guys is in much higher demand than the other. You just hate Todd Phillips. Like, I don't hate Todd Phillips. I don't think Todd Phillips is a very good. I don't think Todd Phillips is a very good filmmaker. That's I, I don't hate I don't him. Hate I just Todd don't Phillips. think he's good. I think his filmmaking's crap. Like yeah, I, know. <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't. I don't think he's good at, at his job. I don't. I mean, I hate him. Okay. Well, we're not here to to, to assess Todd Phillips. I will say what, one, what was the last time there was? Uh, we can disagree on Joker all we want, but we can agree that Todd Phillips made one other. Great. No, we can't movie. stop lumping me in with anything you were about to say. No, ser- seriously. Like in general, don't. What, do what that. would you consider Todd Phillips's <laughs> great movie? I think that The Hangover was a good kind of breakout for raunch comedy. I really like The Hangover too. I think what he did producing, uh, I thought Project X was a very kind of bold, forward-thinking kind of project for the time mm-hmm. that it came out, which he produced. Um, I didn't really love Due Date so much. As, I didn't think it was unfunny. I thought it was a little too cruel. Yeah, uh, a lot of his movies are, they're, they're, you know, they're good. But like, I, I don't think like Todd Phillips, I love old school. Like I love yeah, the, a lot of his old I'm, I'm, I'm with like, you on that. The yeah. point I'm trying to make is that he made one movie that is you know, revered as, as great and one movie that was an absolute hit. And that was The Hangover. And then what did he do with well, it? Well, old school is a big cult hit. Like, oh, yeah, big called hit, but, but in terms of being one, <laughs> you know, loved like that, but also a financial success, I don't think Hangover was a, was a, was a hit at the box. I didn't say it was a failure, but, but mean, a big hit. And the Hangover as, was that. As far as and the then, and then what happened at this point. And so. then what happened? What did he do with the Hangover franchise after this one great idea and great movie became a hit? But what he I will ran say, into the ground. What I will say, despite Wait, you're, you're, any okay, of okay, his... Okay, you're blaming Todd Phillips. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm 
simply saying for, that he did this. That this happened for, before. For, for running the We're hangover. We're talking ground. about. You don't think a movie studio had any say in this little Ron? It's the same thing. With, it's the same success. thing with Joker. It's like, oh, it made a billion dollars. Make another one. Exa- which we said would happen. Which we said was always. And we big. don't need. Look what happened last time. He had to do that. It was terrible. Uh, I mean, you can feel how you feel. I don't. I don't necessarily agree. with You know you. what I think is great though. This would be a wonderful grenade for a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> is like Kofi's take on Tim Miller and Charlie's take on Todd Phillips. But like the difference is my my take on Tim Miller is backed up by the utter failure of Terminator. Charlie's take on Todd Phillips, but he is not backed up by well, the I utter will, success of. What Joker. I will say though is, like you, like you were saying though, as far as like one is in demand, I would say that you're looking over the filmography and you got Todd Phillips. I mean, you got Road Trip, you got Old School, you got War Dogs, you got The Hangover. So I mean, like the man has made some moderate hits. Like, and, and I think like just saying he only is like a one hit wonder. I, I don't know if that's true. I mean, he my, definitely my, my has point two wasn't hits at my least point wasn't to now. say. I mean, I, I think he has one movie that's truly great. I think other I, I like old school. It's fine. I like I like Road Trip. It's fine. I'm not saying there's a bad movie. I think The Hangover Two and Hangover Three are bad movies. I think Star Hodge is a bad movie. I think War Dogs is a very not very good movie. But my, my point is, he had a hit, and whether it was his decision or the studios, it was like, oh well, now we have this thing. Let's milk it, and we saw what happened, and it did not go well. And now we're going to take Joker and do the same thing, and. That's we just don't. Well, I think need the manager specifically anyway. said he doesn't want to do. Yeah, that. I don't think Phillips wants to do that. Yeah, I mean, did he say that before? Or after the billion dollars, he's actually said that before, oh, yeah, and yeah, now okay, he's still on I, that. I, train. I was wondering how recent those. Yeah, I those mean, I think you're. Were. I think you're discounting lessons learned. Like after the Hangover, you haven't seen Todd Phillips like jump into a major franchise or make a thing. And I'm not defending him. I don't think he's the greatest guy, but I don't think any of that matters. Whether he's good or not. Like, I think this is out of, it's bigger than him now. Like, I, like we said, it's I agree. about Joaquin, it's about the studio. I personally don't think, as much as I love Joker, there needs to be a Joker too. Yeah. The, unless you're going to go and, sp- like, I'm at that point now, like I said, way back when, unless you're going to spin this full on into, like, a larger DC Universe type deal, then I don't need a, just a continued focus story about Arthur Fleck. Well, and because no matter how, how you do it, you know, even come from someone who doesn't like the movie, I think it really undercuts so much of the movie to to continue the story, you know, because yeah. you can say like you like you were talking about earlier, like oh, it can be this adventure, a little Batman, like that's silly. If it, you can say oh, it was a dream, and then we go into another dream, like well, that's that kind of ruins the first one a little bit. Um, it might have been you, Kobe, or it might have been J.K. Somebody in the office the other day had an idea that I actually really liked, and it was make the Joker a. Um, an anthology type of thing. You get a new actor and a new filmmaker and a totally different vision and just like do a bunch of Joker movies because they're going to succeed, but just with totally different ideas and and see what other people bring to the table and give them one movie and just have fun with it and and make something crazy. And I really think that like, that's a really fun idea. Yeah, Um, it is. But unfortunately Hollywood doesn't make bets on, doesn't turn away sure bets for, for repeated yeah. risks. When you make a billion. After, after season of the witch. We're, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. But all right. We're going to keep you updated Oof. about this whole thing. Let us know. Do you guys <laughs> want a joke or two? Hit us up at the hashtag comic book nation. And please let us know. Do we even need a grenade now? I mean, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Because I didn't think these were going to be such grenades. Uh, first frozen. Let's get something easy. And frozen two is coming down the pike. The first reviews and reactions to frozen are now out as of today. Matt, take us through. People are saying it's better than the first in most cases. And some people are saying quite the opposite. Well, okay. So like going through It was the very reviews, weird. Yeah, like there's no 
Okay, so going through most of the reviews, I went through uh, several. Yeah, yeah I've and, seen, like, I'm all over the place. I don't even know how to introduce this. I've seen some that are like, it's better than the first and even makes the first better. But none of them some are like, so, like, none of them are extreme. I, I have yet to see an extreme one so that goes, it's terrible or it's great. When it's all this weird, murky middle. When the reactions came out to the premiere last week. Yeah. There were people saying this is better than the first one. I remember this that. movie's incredible. Frozen Two is a masterpiece. Like it was, it was wild. So what's the difference said, between? But them now the now. reviews are like, yeah, all in the middle. A lot of them are like, oh well, it's fine. And the the one thing is the music is really good and the animation yeah. is is gorgeous. But it's like, oh, but the story's kind of. Well, know, see, it's but there. I've seen that the story. I've seen like there are a couple of reviews that point out that the story is more cohesive as a story than the first one. The story has. More heart than the first one. Uh, the the new songs with like Kristoff and some of there are great. Like yeah. so they keep pointing out all these positive things, and then their wrap up is like it's like describing a movie as a five, and then you give the movie a three. It's yeah, weird. That's, that's a good thing because I think the one that stuck out to me it was like Frozen Two is like leagues better than the first one, but not game changing. And I was like, uh, uh yeah, exactly. Like, like why is it, it's weird. Yeah, I was like, it's, if it, I mean, but frozen was such a milestone that I feel like we're having like milestone withdrawal with this one. Yeah. And it's like, this is just a movie. It's good. But the first one was like such a thing. Yeah. And like such a milestone event in Disney, you know, the tale of two sisters, not about the prince, the music. And those songs, man. The, the songs, songs go a like, long yeah. way. There's, there's almost no way, almost no way that this movie I mean, is going to do what the first let one did. Let it because, go along. Because alone. the first one. Yeah, like that That was song so, was not a song. It was a phenomenon. Yeah, it, was, it, it was a ballad. It was yeah, a moment. Olaf was, as a character took over a ton of things. Elsa as a character. Like all, there was so much fresh and new in that. But also if you go back to look at reviews and look at, not even like full on critic reviews, but just like user reviews and people on social media talking about Frozen, a lot of those people didn't get it at the time. There was a lot of, I remember a lot of like, what is everybody talking about this movie? It's it's fine. Like there was a lot of that at the time. And as we've seen with other stuff and even things we'll get into later, like as time moves on, people's, like people remember things in a continued heightened sense. And so your your love and appreciation for something, even if it started out just here, in 2013, now you have this crazy high expectation, even if you didn't love it at the time. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Frozen 2 is not woke enough. There you go. There was one scene. There was a there was a new clip from it, which I adored, by the way. And it's because Olaf again reminds how uh, how much of like a lovable jerk he is with some of the things he says. Like when he talks to Anna, and he's like. Uh, you know, you're you're really old, so you have you must have all this like ancient knowledge. <laughs> and he keeps calling her old throughout the entire conversation. And then he's like, uh, he's like, man, I look forward to the day when I'm so old that I don't have to care about important things. He says something like that. Like, wow, that's such a jerk thing to say, but he's so lovable. He's a snowman. I don't get any love for when I say these things. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it. Frozen 2. You can see our kind of collection of the first reviews on comicbook.com. All right, well, we're going to change things up a little bit because I did have a whole grenade topic, but then, you know, <laughs> a turn up over here made everything. I mean, I mean, come bring it on. Like, no, no need. No, there no, no, we, don't, need. we don't necessarily have time, so we'll yeah. do it at the end if we have time. If not, we could save it for another episode. It's not a topic that's going anywhere. All right, so when we come back, we are going to deep dive into our review of Marvel's new X-Men spinoff, Fallen Angels. Tanner is going to tell us if we should be buying Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So be sure to tune in for that. 
So we're back, and we've come to the end of Marvel's Dawn of X relaunch with the release of Fallen Angels, the last of the six books in this first slate of uh, Dawn of X reboots. And uh, this one has been one that we, I think a lot of us were really excited for going in. It looked kind of exciting. It was all about uh, Quanon. How do you say her name? Quanon. Quanon. In, you know, Psylocke's Asian body. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Assass- the Asian assassin that Betsy Braddock, yeah, you know, inhabited <laughs> for a while. Back in the 90s where you could do that kind of race switching stuff. Uh, now that doesn't fly anymore. So... Which is kind of hilarious for see them kind of tiptoe around that whole fact about <laughs> about this character, but uh, Quanon is the kind of the centerpiece of this book. But it's supposed to be about those people in the X Men lore who don't quite fit in. It's not. It's trying to be X Force, the X Force, the Christopher, you know, whatever Yost or whoever that was that did. Uh, oh, from the previous run, yeah, yeah Chris Yost and yeah, before uh, Uncanny X Men, the yeah. Wolverine Strike Team, the Dark One, like yeah. yeah. Them and the purifiers, like it's basically that again, except they're trying to make it deeper than that. Um, so it's all these X Men with like very troubled or violent pasts or not quite fitting in for some reason because yeah. so it's like X. The first issue is like it's Quanon who's had this body snatch thing with Psylocke that's left her kind of in a weird place. She's not she's with the X Men, but she's not. Um, Cable, who is of course time displaced soldier, who's been through all kinds of crazy changes and is now like yeah. a teenage boy or whatever. And uh, X-23, who's, as she says in her own words, is just looking to get out of Wolverine's shadow yeah. and become her own person instead of this Wolverine clone. So you think that would be a premise for a book, especially an intriguing one because of Krakoa and this new mutant nation and all the geopolitics we've already seen at play through these other books. But uh, it turned out to be kind of boring. I mean, I think this was, for me, the weakest of the yeah, six books. Um, it Excalibur narrowly edges it out because Excalibur does have – a slight element of whimsical fun to it, especially around the character of Apocalypse mm-hmm. in that book, which we all loved and we're talking about Apocalypse being an Excalibur. such a weird fit, but like it, it works so well because he yeah. has his knowledge of the ancient world. Um, but yeah, Fallen Angels is, it, it was just weird. I don't, I think the problem for me speaking personally is Quanon isn't a strong enough character mm-hmm. to kind of center and hold this book, especially when you have characters with such deeper, richer X-Men lore surrounding her. Like, Cable and X-23 are two of the, like, biggest X-Men creations out of the main out of the main character set. Mm-hmm. They're two of the biggest additions that have gone on to grow, to become two of the most iconic characters. So, like, and they're playing second fiddle to to this character, who, again, I don't think is interesting enough to, to ground a whole book. I, mean, I, think, I think they could be. You know, yeah. any character it could be if they're if they're written well enough, and that's the thing is like I I, I like seeing new characters, need to know new characters, and it, it makes sense to have established ones around them, but this character is just not written very well at all. Like you you're never given a real reason to care about it, and then it becomes what you said. Like it's because the character's not made, like not written in any interesting way. It's like well now I just want to see Cable and. You know, in X twenty three because yeah, I'm and much that's more like I think that. we said like that. I said to you and uh, Matt J K like I think it says something that the best scene for me in Fallen Angels was the weird like kind of BDSM erotic play between Cable and X twenty three where she's at a party, yeah. at, they're having a party at Krakoa, and she he Cable sees her like sitting alone. And he's like, "Don't you want to dance?" And she's like, "That's not how I dance." And he's like, "Oh, how's that?" And she punches him and like nearly breaks yeah. his nose. And they See, have that's weird, so like sexy fight time or whatever. It's so odd because like that's my one of my least favorite scenes. 
but it's because it, it feels really out of place. It sticks out to me because like, and, I, and me and Jamie have talked. Like, I'm actually very, I'm much higher on this book than than a lot of people. Uh, and this book online it seems to be along with Excalibur, like one of the most divisive. Like you either kind of love it or you don't. It, it's very there's not a lot of middle ground. Um, and to me, it's actually, uh, I mean, Mister Sinister is to me the star. Of this, of this issue, this particular issue, because every scene with him and Quanin is gold for me. I, I love the back and forth. And, and the thing is, Quanin does have the history as Psylocke that these other characters don't. And so, like, when they pitched it as a Psylocke book, I mean, Psylocke has had her own miniseries before. And the thing they always kind of struggle with is, is to define her personality. I think the whole point of this book is to find that. Uh, uh, I, and I think Hill, Brian Hill can, this issue still kind of is still trying to find, find that rhythm a little bit. A lot of it has to do with her past, the daughter angle. Oh, by the way, we should talk spoilers, but this is Friday show. So it's fine. Cause it came, yeah. out, came out on Wednesday, uh, spoilers by the way. But when they, when they reveal that, you know, she has a daughter and, and they start to go into like her name is a shackle and some of those other things there, I think he's finding little pieces, little nuggets of interesting character parts of her. So I think in a couple issues time, this could be a great showcase for the character. I think it's still trying to find its rhythm. It's not my favorite uh, in the Dawn of X books by far, but I, but I actually really enjoy this. And I also think, I mean, one of the other arguments has been X-23 and the handling of her. I haven't been a fan of the handling of X-23 since All New Wolverine ended. Because when, to me, this line where she's like Logan Shadow, like Jamie hated that line. And I get it from someone who has seen Laura. Like we love where Laura was with Tom Taylor and All New Wolverine in that book. It was moving that character up while Logan was away. And that was supposed to be the idea. She was supposed to be Wolverine for years. And then Logan was supposed to come back and she would have already been defined. Instead, we got a Batman Dick Grayson situation where they brought Batman back in a year. Dick Grayson doesn't get to be Batman anymore. And that character then has to go on a, honey expedition for the next four years to find their character again. That happened to Laura. And in her own solo series, they kind of started to bring her back towards this. I think this will be an exploration over the next couple issues of finding Laura as a character again, outside of Logan, which X-Force books in the past have always put them, sandwiched them together. They are one, their daughter and father. So I think this is going to be, by the end of this, I think we will see some really interesting things. This was, to me, a, a good issue. I enjoyed it. Uh, but I think it will get better in time, and this will be the weakest of those. I think I kind of – I see a lot of the appeal that you're talking about. I, I disagree in the sense that I think that uh, there's some tricks you learn. You know, you come up and you learn about writing and storytelling, and there's some tricks you learn, and there's also ways to spot tricks you're supposed to avoid, like – and I feel like right now we're kind of using a lot of distractionary tricks because we don't know how to crack the core of this thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think we should have spent a lot more time getting to know Quanin and her her past and explaining how she became this assassin and why the way she is if she's not like doesn't have even why she doesn't have that much of a personality. Yeah, because it was beaten out of her like and yeah. trained out of her. Um, but now you've thrown in this whole daughter angle and it's just like. Now we're going to define Quanin by this whole other character thing of a caring mommy and concerned woman about this stuff and like all of that. And it's like, we don't know. I like, man, I hung out with you as Psylocke and I knew you. Yeah. I don't know you now, man. Like, yeah. and your family squabbles aren't as interesting to me because I don't care about you as a character yet. Yeah. So just kind of trying to pull on my emotional strings with the daughter angle doesn't quite work. And I also don't think that one of the biggest things I didn't like about this issue is the scene where. 
Quanan and X-23 hunt down that lead about her daughter. Oh, you didn't like that? No, I, I don't think because they're so similar in their in their stories and where they are like right now in the X-Men mm-hmm. universe in this unsure place, their their personalities are a lot alike. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they know. I think somebody it becomes kind of artificial when they're together. Like in that scene, I feel like X-23 stops being X-23 to be like somebody more like Storm or Jean Grey or somebody like a, a more verbal side, like a partner or support system. Like, I don't think X-23 would be like, hey, what are we doing here? Like, you know, are we doing this? Like, blah. like that didn't feel like Laura to me. It felt like Laura had to be that because the role because of Psylocke angry, is- quiet, like, you know, volatile killer was already taken. Like That's where it'll be interesting to see where this book yeah. is in a couple issues because that Laura is the Laura I grew to love in Wolverine. But since then, that character's kind of slowly come back more towards the X-Force more silent yeah. kind of let things. I liked the playful side and the no. more talked about side from that, but she hasn't been that for a minute. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting and to I see think where this it'll lands. be great if if they nail this character dynamic between the central players. Like if Laura takes on a role that that you know convincingly because Kwan is so unbalanced and is like mm-hmm. so crazy, and Laura's like I got to be the less crazy one here. Like yeah, and and begins to kind of boss up and be more more Wolverine ish. Like that'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see. Um, I think it was just too much in this first issue to kind of cram together that I'm not sold there yet. I am sold on the sinister angle, obviously. Like those scenes and his dialogue. He's such a manipulative, like, oh my God. Krakoa is just like the snake in the garden. (laughs) Just really wonderful, right? And that Magneto sequence back and forth is great too. That was actually really good. That was actually probably my favorite scene in the book is Magneto, like his double speak of saying without saying, like, yeah, go break the rules. Yeah. I'm not going to say that, like, because I'm Magneto and I. My laws are unbendable. And this team will get two more characters yeah. within the next, like, three issues. Uh, one being Bling and the other one I don't remember off the top of my head. But um, I think Husk. Uh, but so it'll be Exciting. interesting to see what those two Bling characters Husk. are. I mean, look, the what House and Powers have shown is that you can make what have we seen? We've seen all these characters that have been looked at as also Rands. You know what? Life. And if Jonathan Hickman was writing it. Characters named Blue I mean, Husk sound great. Brian Brian Hill, I love his Angel. I, his I, Angel series I, yeah, is great. I, I've liked Brian Hill in the past. Yeah. So I mean, this I'm not going to discount it just because he's right. And Hickman's also has it, a controlling hand. Yeah. So like the the, we'll the big thing here though, like that I and you know, I, I think you're all you're both right in what you're talking about with the, with the book. I wasn't a big fan either, but I think the thing that really got me that I had a really hard time with was this book just doesn't look very appealing. It's very like early 2000s with that like shiny like dark oil look and it's like i don't know how to describe it like there's old x-men books yeah. that are just discounted because they're bad and we don't like them yeah they're like it all seems from that era where like there's not a real setting at any point it all seems like it just play, takes place in darkness and it's a bunch of like weird close-ups on different parts of your face to okay. show that you're the angry close-ups weirded me out at one point so, because it's such there's a strangely a, laid out and an illustrated yeah. book during that conversation with magneto there is one panel where it's like yeah, it's closes like up on her lips, lips yeah, and i'm like lips, yeah. this is the weirdest like, panel <laughs> but they, they, always, they, they lose I everything mean, behind them and it's just like I mean, it, I don't it's know very how we want to get weird. into this, but there's there's a weird sexual element to this whole That's House true. of X thing. Like, every book has to have some kind of sexual innuendo between characters that's yeah. twisted. Nothing's as good as the whole Cyclops like, and Jean Grey and Wolverine have 
Yeah, this whole a joint bedroom yeah. conversation. That's it's, like, there's oh, a lot yeah. of that. Like, look, like, like what's where yeah. even one, are they? Like, that's the one. Like, that's the one I was talking about. I was like, that is a weird panel. Yeah, it's so like it's it's darkness and it's very like though as far as tone. But I don't. I'm not like if I had a choice of visual style, that is not my choice of visual. I I definitely prefer. Yeah, Some of the, of it is a lot I mean, and, and books can be shadows. dark yeah. in color. Like that's fine. It just it doesn't do it very well, and it focuses on strange things like that. It's all like close ups. Yeah, I mean, so it's many not wrong. It does all close up yeah. spaces in the dark, and there is like there is something some pervasive yeah. dark. I love that scene though. This. That scene where well, she's it is a weird the claws on you. Oh my god! Especially when the cover was so like. All, you know, Blade Runner colors almost, and it's yeah, like, yeah. like, where is all that? Like, where's all that neon and like that? Those tones. I don't know, but we're fun. still split. So, uh, real quick, before we got to throw it over to Tanner, uh, how would you guys rank your house of or your Dawn of X launches? Oh, uh, let's just say, uh, let me see. Let me oh, that's do hard. Can I even do mine. I'm yeah. I, don't, I, don't I, can, I don't know if I can rank them, but I can. I need I mean, prep. I think, <laughs> I think we, we all love yeah, we'll the regular X Men series. Uh, number um, two was just okay. Like, yeah. yeah, let's talk about that real quick. So, X Men number two, it, it, yeah, it was a real letdown for me. Too. Did that come out this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did I miss that? Uh, we all did. It's and it's nothing. It's not generating anything. It's kind of a letdown. Yeah, I okay. mean, they moved like the big first piece of mythology with this Araco stuff from that House part was of X. cool. That yeah. stuff was interesting. Um, but even that book has like an island having sex with another island. Yeah, so, no, like, boy, Hickman. Every got, one of these books <laughs> have to have it. Like, that's but, true. Regardless of that, like I like the first issue, but Marauders has been my favorite. Of, yeah, of uh, the, Marauders of is up the there re-watches. for me. Yeah, definitely. I think oddly enough, I think the more irreverent ones like Marauders and New Mutants were kind of at the top for me. Underneath that would be X Men. Uh, would be actually X Force and yeah. X Men. And then at the bottom would be Excalibur and then Fallen Angels for me. Yeah, I think mine looks yeah. pretty similar. It's Marauders at the top. Uh, it's probably. It's it's between X Force. It's probably X Force and then New Mutants, and then you know we kind of go down the line. Uh, X Men is probably <sighs> X Men is kind of towards the bottom for me. I I you know I probably liked. I found Fallen Angels more interesting than I did X Men. Mm. Um, just I mean the second just because it's interesting because the, the first issue. I mean if again not, having not read the second issue, X Men is probably my second favorite to Marauders, but. I, again, I haven't read. No, the, but even the first the issue of X Men. If I if I think back on it, the the thing I remember the most, as much as I love Cyclops, I mean everyone knows I'm, I'm a Cyclops fiend. But as much as I love that character, aside from like the Vulcan moments and things like that, there's not a lot that I remember. It's no, very it's forgettable. Like Hitman, it's like Hitman did this whole thing with House of X and Powers of X, where it was just so much of move like moving like macro pieces of the yeah. board around. And it was like what he was accused of of not really connecting to the characters, just playing with the mythos, not really doing the characters. That X Men so far feels almost like overcompensation. The opposite, yeah. Like it's just like we're gonna do slight day slice of life stories yeah. for the X Men every day, and it's like it was cool to see that as a sampling in the first issue, but you eventually you do have to jump into a storyline that. And I think that's where Marauders really where Marauders really mm-hmm. excels, yeah. Because right off the bat, Marauders has really really compelling characters mm-hmm. and a really awesome hook of a story. Yep. Like you're gonna put Kitty Pride. On a pirate ship, nope. Finding mutants that didn't make it to Krakoa. That's the that's the whole point of the book. Yeah, that is so much fun. Yeah, 
Yeah, it really is. So yeah, and, uh, uh, X Force really raised the stakes with the whole human group. The Strike Force, the Return of the Reavers, Attack on Krakoa, Massacre. Surprised to how much I love uh, X Force. Yeah, and yeah. So this this stuff looks good, but uh, upcoming issues look like they could flip the script very much. We've seen solicits for this. We know that like in X Men Four, it's like Magneto, Apocalypse, and Xavier go to a geopolitical summit. Yeah, and it's that's like, gonna be. And they're all in business suits, and it's like okay, that's crazy. I want to see that, but um, yeah. So we'll keep you updated on Dawn of X. Uh, this has been our run. We've done the house powers and now the first line but uh we'll keep you guys updated with some regular updates uh if you let us know what you guys are feeling about mm-hmm. these new era of the x-men hits up at the hashtag comic book nation now we're going to close out the show with tanner who's been patiently waiting over here in the cut star wars jedi fallen order is going to be out by the time you hear this or is it or is it, it is yes it, comes it out is november 15th so yeah it'll be yeah out. it'll be here when you hear this tanner i it's a guy who kind of his happiness lives and dies by some of these Star Wars games, depending on how good or not they are, and they've been all over the place. Where does Jan? Where does Fallen Order land? No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Just the quick answer: Should you buy it or not? Yes, you should absolutely buy Fallen Order. It doesn't matter like how big of a Star Wars fan you are, because I will say, like, you love Star Wars. I'm a very casual Star Wars fan. Like, I've seen all the movies, you know. But if you ask me to like put them all in order, I'd have to like look at it for a minute, you know. But <laughs> this is a really, really good game. But the good thing about it is like it's a good game without being a Star Wars game. If you stripped away all the Star Wars parts, it's still an incredible game. Um, the other side of that is like the Star Wars actual story is kind of, it's like, it's okay. It's okay. I think part of the problem that it has with it is that if you look at the timeline, uh, so I don't know how much everyone knows about it, but it's, it stars, you know, Cal Kestis and he's, uh, he's a Padawan who survived uh, Order 66. So he has to go in hiding, right? He has to save himself. Yeah. Eventually he gets pulled out of hiding and, uh, you know, he's on the run from the Empire. But it takes place before the events of Rogue One because you see, what's that guy uh, in uh, Rogue One? Saul Guerrero, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's in this game and it's it's his Forrest actor. Whitaker. Yeah, Forrest Whitaker. He's playing. And he does a really great job with him. So you see him in it. So that kind of sets, you know, where it is in the timeline. The problem that it has as a Star Wars story is because it falls between those two things, it can't really do a whole lot of, I guess, consequential or like very impactful moments okay. in the story because Cal's whole mission is he wants to rebuild the Jedi Order right he tells you that th- from the beginning of the story so I mean if you've seen the movies you know you know like he tells yeah, you what he wants yeah, to yeah, do yeah, and yeah, I'm at like, this point you know, there are no Jedi they're all in hiding yeah exactly or you know he thinks he's the last everyone thinks they're the last Jedi right so he wants to rebuild the Jedi Order so you, you kind of have to go into it with like a you know a suspension of belief like you know, you have to be willing to accept, okay, he's going to rebuild the Jedi Order, right? Um, so from that, or just miserably. know the whole time he's not going to and <laughs> yeah, like, he's let that darkness miserably. sit in you right. the whole time. And, and, you know, the whole thing, like, it, it does develop in a great way, the way that he tries to do it. You know, this I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything that happens because it is really good um, the way the story plays out. But, you know, from a Star Wars perspective, that kind of does limit what Respawn can do here, right? Yeah. They can't, you can't have, you can't have someone blow up a planet because then you got to explain that in the other movies, and you can't have someone, you know, chop off someone's hand. Because hey, you can explain that. In is movie, the game right? considered canon? The game is considered canon. Yeah. Yeah. That, then yeah, so, your hands are pretty and, tight. And you see the way they worked around it, because like Cal is a brand new character, and the people that he uh, teams up with that are on his ship, like there's Sarah and uh, his little droid BD1 that follows him around everywhere. They're all brand new too, so they kind of work around it that way. You know, they're all brand new characters. Uh, so for someone like me who's not as invested in you know everything to do with star wars that's really easy for me to get used to because i don't have to look up who's this guy who's this guy you don't feel like you're missing you out have the wiki hunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it sounds yeah. like you listen to, to you guys talk about it like they brought in a lot of uh 
instead of relying on the movies, they brought in a lot of comic characters in comic mythology, like from the yeah, the yeah. You see in the story. trailers, um, the, you know, he's he's being hunted by the Inquisitors and the Purge troopers the whole time. And you see in the trailer, the second sister shows up, who is in the comics, and there's the ninth sister who too, who is like this huge, you know, hulking uh, former Jedi that you have to fight. Um, and you see all these guys in the trailers. You know, this isn't spoiling anything, but they do pull from, I guess, like the the the. Not the main line, you know, not the main moves. They pull from, like, the areas around yeah. those things to build on it. So I guess you could consider them more minor characters. So it's, I mean, but for me, that's nice because I'm not missing out on anything. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like. Sounds like it's good for newcomers, but also for, like, people like me who read some, like, a lot of the comics, the books, read them, watched the animated series of that era. Like, there will be Easter eggs and stuff. Right, and there's fun things like that. Like, you come across some stormtroopers at some point. And this is in a trailer, too, so I'm not, you know, again, I'm not spoiling anything. You come across some stormtroopers, and they say, you know, you overhear their conversation because you're sneaking around. And they say something like, well, at least we have the high ground here. So it's, you know, fun stuff like that. You're like, okay. um, So from watching the trailer, you know, I don't want to keep interrupting or whatever, but, like, one thing that I've been curious about is is how the game actually plays because it there's times it feels almost like an uncharted type of thing where it's like here's it like there's a, a clear narrative story yeah, yeah. you're playing with and at other times it kind of um you know I'm a big fan of Neo and it's a lot of like it focuses on fight mechanics and it seems like there's a lot of you know fighting like, like really specific fight elements to the game like how does it play compared to some other stuff we've we've played so with so I've heard like a lot of different comparisons to games even the people that made the game they compared it to everything from uh, that new Sekiro Shadows Die Twice mm. that was from the guys who made Dark Souls and they also compared it to like Legend of Zelda which was weird for a Star Wars game but it's because of like the way that you have to fight is you know he's he's recovering from the events of Order of 66. So you don't have all your force powers in the beginning of the game. You have to uh, okay. you have to get those back. You know, he has he he's basically overcoming PTSD, you know, through these challenges and he has to get his powers back. And that was one thing that I wasn't sure if I would like cuz like I mean, you call me crazy, but I didn't really want to play as a Jedi in a game because they're like super overpowered and you're yeah. just going to mow down everything. So I thought why is that? That's not fun. That's not a challenge. But yeah. that's how they present it as a challenge. You don't have all your powers yet you got to get them back um so pretty much you just start out with the lightsaber and he has the ability to slow down time um which is apparently a pretty rare jedi power so you have those limited tools but as far as the combat goes i would say the combat definitely takes a lot from that sekiro shadows die twice right. game it's a lot like god of war too if you guys like the 2018 uh god of war game this is going to be a lot of fun the way that you have to explore everything is you always find like bridges, things like that that you can't get through, and then you realize if I learn a force power later, I can come back here. So it's like a lot of back and forth of yeah. you know, progress oh, okay. through a story, go back and visit the planet, is go like through a story. Is it what? It's like an open world type of thing. It's 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 actually open multiple worlds because you travel between planets, but it's like it's kind of open world in the sense that you know there's very there's a very linear path. You have a map that says here's your objective, go there. Um, but there are a lot of branching, you know. Uh, doors you can open, secrets you can uncover, things like that. So it's 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 more of a linear, you know, it's definitely a narrative game, but it gives you some wiggle room to work around. Um, the thing I love the most about it, like I said, game, uh, Star Wars story or not, the game is great because the combat, you, ab- you absolutely have to master the combat to do this. With your lightsaber, it really makes you feel like you're actually playing as a Jedi because you have to parry people all the time. When you fight other Jedis, those are the best fights in the game. I get so hyped every time I had to fight one of those. <laughs> I wish the game had like some kind of a boss rush mode so you can go back and you know fight fight them again. Um, I would beat the purge troopers and go back and respawn because whenever you sit down at a little meditation circle, it respawns the enemies. It's kind of like Dark Souls. brings them all back. 
So I would go respawn them again just so I'd go back and fight it. Because I was like, no, I didn't get it right that time. We're going to do it again. So oh, That's awesome. Yeah, you definitely – yeah, Jim said you live and die by the parry, and he's absolutely right. It's it's It gets pretty hard at times. Uh, but one thing I will say is good about the difficulty for Star Wars fans is that if you – like, I don't know. What do y'all, what do y'all usually play your difficulty on? Hard. Yeah. Hard? It depends on the, the kind of game. Like First I, time through is normal, and yeah. then you go back. I put mine on – there's four different difficulties. I put mine on the second hardest one. I think it's called Jedi Master, and the hardest one is Jedi Grandmaster. And I was like, well, we'll just go Jedi Master for this one. But there's a story difficulty, which makes it – I would – I don't want to say it makes it easy because someone might still have a little bit of a challenge with it, but it's like if you want to just see the story and you're a Star Wars fan, but you're not really, you know, a big gamer and you don't want to miss out on anything, just put on the story mode. You know, enemies are way less aggressive. You don't have to parry as much. So that that one would be a lot easier. Sounds like your mode, Kofi. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. <laughs> All right. Basically, it's real accessible for everyone. It's an accessible game, Star Wars fan or not. You're going to get something out of it. So, final word again. We should be checking this game out. I mean, because there's a lot of games out right now. Yeah, yeah, because Pokemon comes out at the same time Star Wars does, and we got more, but yeah. yeah. Modern Warfare is out. Like, yeah. If I have to choose between Modern Warfare and Fallen Order, what should I pick? Oh, oh um, I think I think Modern Warfare would give you, like, long... You would get more out of Modern Warfare in the long run, but EA has had a bad run with their Star Wars games. So if you've been waiting for, like, a single-player Star Wars game... You need to get this. This is it. This is it. This is, right. It's a redeeming game. All right. Tanner, thank you for uh, taking time out for your busy gaming news schedule, which is happening right now, to uh, talk about us this with us. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you are just now getting into the show, we drop new episodes every Wednesday and every Friday. Uh, people seem pretty good about getting the Friday episode, but don't forget that Wednesday episode when Janelle Wheeler's here and helps me and Matt try to uh, muddle through the uh, nightmare craziness of the middle of the week. Uh, those are always great, so be sure to go back and check those out. You can always subscribe to Comic Book Nation by uh, looking at our our articles on comicbook.com where we have a subscription to our RSS feed, or you can subscribe through your favorite listening platform for podcasts. You can do iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists. You can tell your Amazon Alexa device to uh, play Comic Book Nation podcast and it'll fire up, or you can find us on the YouTube under the uh, comicbook.com YouTube page. If you want to continue the discussion or get in on any of these grenade arguments or General Charlie arguments, uh, you can find us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And I'm at Charlie Ridgely. And I'm at Tanner Dedman. Yeah, there you go. Tanner's Ooh. over there. He threw in his plug. Get that plug, Tanner. I'm here. I'm here. Come talk about games. We'll All right. <laughs> Comicbook.com backslash gaming. All right, that'll do it for us. We are out of here. If you guys are fans of the show, be sure to leave those five-star reviews on iTunes because we will oh, be back yeah. soon. We have almost cleaned out our T-shirt yeah, shipment. Yeah, buddy. More our, uh, yeah, our shipment queue for T-shirts is almost cleared out, which means it's time for more T-shirts. So be sure to leave those five-star iTunes reviews so we can read them on the air and send you a T-shirt. That'll do it for us. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always, to our nearly 100 episodes of uh, Comic Book Nation. We're going to get out of here now. Peace. Deuces.